Godan dag, everyone. Hi, everyone. So this podcast aims to introduce you to different cultures, areas, and debates from across the world. And what are we talking about today, Miles? So today we're going to be talking about Iceland. Cool. Do you have any uh, introductions on to like or preconceived notions on this question as a European? So they're part of the Nordic countries uh, by a lot of debates. Uh, and the Nordic countries are very uh, well known to be healthy countries and they're always in the top numbers for um, health. But we can we can definitely talk about that in further depth uh, later on. And do you want to tell me what your preconceived notions are on Iceland yeah. and have you been there? I have not been there. Have you been there? Uh, no, I've never been there. Uh, it's always been a place that I've planned to go, but the question of cost puts me off. So you can say Iceland has been elusive in it some ways. One of the many, many countries. But it's actually one of the few countries where I've planned a full holiday. In the there. more I read about Iceland, the more I realize, why does that Miles live here? This is such a... <laughs> Maybe it's a little cold, but beyond that, I feel like it definitely checks a lot of your boxes. Anyway. Not a big enough city for me. Yeah, not a big enough country. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, no, and we'll get to that. So you asked my preconceived notions. I didn't know it was one of the healthiest countries in the world. Um, so that kind of beat that. And my initial thoughts were, oh, it's like very outdoorsy. Like they live in a extreme region of the world and maybe that has something to do with it. But honestly, I was uh, pretty... I didn't know until after researching what kind of came up from or why it was why it was so healthy or even if it if it is awesome which I'm sure we'll cover yeah um so do you want to just hop in let us go with what Iceland is we'll do a bit of an introduction to the country the people uh and then we'll get right into the question into the into the juicy bits that you've come here for sounds good to me where's Iceland Miles um it's it's on this lovely flat earth we ha- I'm joking. Uh, it's <laughs> Yeah, in the middle of the flat earth, um, right? <laughs> I, I actually don't know what anyway, we're getting, yeah, okay. getting away from we that. I don't want to entertain that. that idea too yeah. much. Yeah. Um so Iceland is in the North Atlantic Ocean. Mm-hmm. Um it's about halfway between Canada and It's a little closer to Europe. Is that right? It's a little, it a little yeah. Closer? So okay. think about it this way: it's closest to Greenland, which is technically part of North America, but it's closer to Europe mainland than it is to like uh, the North American mainland. Um, and I think the closest thing is like Labrador to it. So yeah, and also we can just say culturally, it's definitely closer to Europe. Yeah, definitely. It is well. like it, yeah. and it's very even closer to Scandinavia and countries. Nordic, Nordic countries, country, yeah. sorry. Um, and then the it's right below the Arctic Circle. So I believe there's like one island that kind of like straddles the Arctic Circle that is like a small island to the north of like the major um, uh, Greenland, uh, sorry, Iceland island. So Sevi, how big is Iceland? So Iceland uh, in terms of area is about the size of like South Korea um, or Hungary. <laughs> Um, for a U.S. audience, it's a little closer to like the size of Kentucky, although it's more of a uh, ovalish shape um, with lots of, uh, and I'd say like tails and like uh, like a lot of islands. It's got peninsulas and it's actually got quite a few fjords in it as well um, and glaciers. 
what's the um latitude of it do you know so it's just below the arctic circle so that would put it at 62 to 68 degrees and where would that put it in relation to canada um so it's it's like i want to say it's like in I, I guess I could just look at my map on the wall. That would be a lot easier. Um, so if you think about Hudson's Bay, Canada, it's like kind of in line with that. Um, and then if you go okay. over towards Europe, you get about to the middle of Norway, Sweden, and Finland. Yeah. Um, okay. Definitely like north of Scotland and uh, the United Kingdom. Yes. Uh, and it's probably uh, slightly north, further north of places like St. Petersburg as well in Russia. Yeah. It's like either in line or slightly north of that. Excellent. Okay. And you could probably say because it has, because it's an island, it definitely has weather mediation from the sea compared to those places like in the Hudson Bay, you would have um, much more temperature extremes than you actually get in Iceland. I, ironically, uh, you know, when people are going to picture Iceland, they're probably going to think of heavy snow, ice, cold, wind. But actually, I think it's a lot more... Um, milder than people think so this gets to my favorite topic which is the gulf stream which i love bringing up <laughs> um but again like europe is warmer because of the gulf stream coming up from the gulf of mexico um and then iceland because it's like just north of the gulf stream um it actually and because the gulf stream it's like it hasn't quite reached europe yet it still has a lot of energy and a lot of warm water uh it, it like you said it, it makes iceland temperate and the funny part about iceland and greenland that everybody always talks about is greenland is actually white and icy and iceland is actually green and like lush um it has lots of grasses across it and to add another interesting fact that kind of talks about your point of like how it's not as icy and snowy as you might think there's actually a few ski resorts but skiing is not actually a big thing in iceland because the winters are so variable in terms of whether they'll get snow or not that they can't have like a permanent presence of like like a ski resort unlike the alps or other places around the world yeah uh, when you're talking about that uh, gulf stream bringing up all the the warm water um it brings it sort of past iceland which is why iceland's fishing is uh such a large industry okay. in iceland why the waters are incredibly rich of fish as well yeah and, so and that's um, definitely part of the icelandic diet hint hint <laughs> yeah. yes stay tuned to hear more about that um in terms of population i i got it that it has about three hundred and forty thousand people so that's not a lot that's like pretty small so that's about the same size as the city of zurich or uh, in Switzerland, or Nice in France, or New Orleans in uh, Louisiana. And then another few cities, and like we're using cities, not countries for this, because it is so small, right? But if you, if we, if you look at countries, like you end up finding like other small islands around the world. Um, but it's also about the same size as like Honolulu and Pittsburgh, to give some other examples. Okay. Miles is like, I have no idea what that means. But yeah, Nice, I think, is probably gives you a better idea. Yeah, so one of the other ones was with Iceland. I remember, so this comes into a bit of soccer or football, wherever you wanted. There was a European championship and, and Iceland beat the team of England 
you know so that obviously hit a lot of news places here right and people people were like how can such a small country have better talent and people like how can they beat the country of england in this in this sport so uh, actually it's quite strange because iceland does have a lot of um like per capita things they have like the the most amount of strongest men like uh you know people that do like the weights in the olympics and things like that so they do hold a lot of titles they must have quite a a healthy lifestyle yeah or and i'm sure like it also goes into like the type of people they are and where they come from and like it's an island right you can be a little bit more specialized in terms of um yeah so do you want to tell us something about the people yeah sure so we can go into the demographics a bit um most of them come from nordic origins um and a little bit of gaelic um, they, uh, about 13 and a half percent of the population, uh, was born abroad. So most are actually like from Iceland. It is like their own community. Again, like 340,000 people. It's not a gigantic number. Um, and then 7% have like foreign citizenship. So most basically are Icelanders who came from like literally the Vikings, uh, in, in past generations. I, I actually read somewhere that there not a lot of them are descended from the Viking era or age because it was very difficult to settle at that time. Okay. Uh, it's actually it's actually after that that a lot of people from Nordic countries came across. Yeah. But I, I that I didn't know that. That's awesome. That's good to know. But I also want to point out, like the first people who came to Iceland were Vikings, right? It's you're just saying. Yeah, it was, it was, it was first settled. Yeah. By Iceland, I think they sort of had three separate attempts of trying to uh, settle on Iceland. Uh, to varying degrees of success, I know there's a, yeah, there's a few famous ones where they completely failed, or, and and they gave it different names each time. I think they they one of them, or at least a couple of them, named them after themselves, and and things like that. But that's interesting. Yeah. The only mammal that, when they first went there, that was there was the Arctic fox. So the fact that like mammals struggled, even humans, to, like stay there and keep keep habitation there, uh, makes a little bit of sense. Is there other demographic stuff you want to share, Miles? Uh, so there's probably just one thing that I thought we could clear up because, as, as you've noticed, I've referred to uh, Iceland as being Nordic and, and it's common confusion with what's Scandinavia and what's Nordic. Uh, and then sometimes it actually confuses people with what's Baltic as well. Okay. Um, so Baltic's quite, quite easy in, um, as it goes. Baltic states are just Estonia, Latvia and Lithuania. That's what's on um the other side of of finland so south of finland and they border russia they're um yeah that makes that's sense. the baltic so so i'm really curious what is the difference between scandinavia and nordic so scandinavia just uh is just denmark norway and sweden okay, so not finland and not iceland it does not include finland iceland or the faroes or um other islands in the Atlantic as well it's just those three countries and together they're all Nordic countries so that includes Finland Sweden Norway Denmark Iceland as well okay that makes sense so so Norway is Scandinavian and Nordic and Finland is Nordic but not Scandinavian wait so Iceland is Scandinavian Iceland is Nordic, but not Scandinavian. Okay. And neither is Norway. Sorry, uh, Finland. 
fin- Finland is Nordic, but not Scandinavian. That's correct. Yeah. And Norway is Scandinavian and Nordic. It's it's in the name Nor- Norway Nordic, yeah, and uh, and interesting because I'm not a flag nerd at all. Um, all the flags also have like uh, the same kind of design uh, language with a cross. But our listeners knew that because they listened into Banner Banter. Yeah, well, they listened to the Banner Banter for Iceland. They haven't listened to the Banner Banter for those other ones quite yet. Okay. So anyway, um, no, that that's a really good. I I didn't know that, or if I did know that, it was confusing and I didn't remember it. Um, yeah, so let's get into some of the physical geography. Um, so we are away from the Ring of Fire, finally, but obviously with most places, like, there is some sort of geological, like, creation. So this is actually along the Mid-Atlantic Ridge, and it's, like, a part of the Mid-Atlantic Ridge that comes up and actually goes beyond the surface of the water, and it basically separates the Eurasian and the North American plates. Um, so we talk about it being in between the two, like, it's literally, like, between the two plates. Uh, and that creates some really interesting geology, wouldn't you say? Yeah, and I, I'm very intrigued to see what you have to say about on this. Um, so I, I everybody hears about like the geothermal in Iceland. Um, in fact, a lot of their almost I think that it's a hundred percent renewable country. I mean, a lot of that comes from geothermal, and uh, basically there's a lot of like because there's a lot of plate tectonics and there's lots of volcanoes and like a lava and um, or I should say magma, um, and uh, lots of hot springs around the country, like, they're able to use that um, to heat up, like, their land as well as, like, create electricity. Um, but even more so than that, I, the reason there is a lot of that heat is because of, like, the heat seeping through the cracks between the plates and coming up um, toward the country. And a huge thing to do in Iceland, as you see in almost every travel thing ever, is like going to the hot springs, the natural outdoor hot springs. Um, like there's the famous Blue Lagoon that apparently is like advertised, like all even here it's like advertised all, everywhere. Um, but you can go to like lots of other ones as well because they pepper the whole country. I uh, here's something really interesting. So there is a geyser. There are geysers as well. That kind of boils into this too, but there's a geyser in, uh, in British English. We pronounce it geyser. Really? Yep. Okay, so there's a geyser or geyser in Iceland called geyser or geyser, like it's literally like except it's pronounced except it's spelled G E Y S I R. So geyser. Geyser. And yeah. um, it it's like an Icelandic word, and guess what? That is where the word comes from. It comes from that. Geyser. <laughs> that... Surprise, surprise. Um, and there are other geysers with different names all around Iceland, but there's one geyser with that name, and that's kind of the word that popularized and spread it all around. And um, it's not the most active geyser, um, but it is. It it was back in the day, and apparently around 2000 there was like some earthquakes that, due to the plate tectonics, that caused it to be reactivated again. Um, but again, now it's gone a little bit more silent. Yeah, I think with the uh... With because it's a mid-Atlantic ridge, it's the two plat two plates are pulling apart. Mm-hmm. So it's the um, the magma from the Earth coming up, filling that gap. Yeah. Yeah, and they they I think they call it like pillow lavas as they come up when they cool on their way up from mm-hmm. from the seafloor. Uh, it's probably actually in terms of like volcanic activity, it's actually a lot less dangerous than other parts of the world uh, because it's a 
yeah, as predictable as it is, they they're less explosive than um, say the uh, Indonesian volcanoes or um, you know you've got Etna in Italy as well. Um, you've got those those are more explosive. What a good way to look at it is like those are more like pent up and then they explode versus like Iceland's a little bit more like just gradual evenness. Yeah, that's okay. right. Um, yeah, it's considered a subarctic region uh, in terms of its like climate. Uh, there, there's actually one of the newest islands of the world. Like it was created recently. Uh, is Surtsey? Am I, um, yeah. and. It's so new that actually they're only they only let scientists go to it to study it. Uh, they don't let anybody else. Yeah, I heard about. It. I think in school we did a little bit on it. But um, do you want to give us a highlight of it, or is it just that it's just new? It's just new. Yeah. It's just new. Okay. <laughs> do you have others? I think they've got a we- they've got a webcam on it now. I think I don't know if um, that's available for public viewing, but yeah, I, I definitely did look it read up. That very definitely. Yeah. Something interesting. One other interesting uh, factoid about the physical geography, it's also kind of like a fun fact, is uh, Iceland now is pretty, um, there aren't many forests, um, but it used to have 30% of its land was forested, and it was all cut down, um, or most of it became timber and lumber, uh, and built up Reykjavik, Reykjavik, which is the capital, I don't think we've mentioned that yet, um, and other uh, pl- other like civil uh, settlements within uh, Iceland. But there's actually been a lot of fires that have like burned them down in the past. Uh, and then basically they've run out of wood. It's kind of a little bit like an Easter Island kind of scenario. Like there's still some trees, but it's not 30% forested anymore. And so a lot of the houses, if you look at them, like they look nice. And then when you get closer, you'll realize it's actually corrugated um, metal. Um, a lot of the panels of the different homes and uh it, it kind of makes the houses look a little bit different from other places around the world, but yet they're still painted in that Nordic way that makes them look uh, like colorful and nice. And yeah, That's really cool. And I actually have a, a couple of facts on that that I found, well, not on that specifically, but I found some cool stuff on, on Icelandic culture, um, one of which we'll probably go, go straight into the question from. But um, in... Icelandic culture, they don't typically use surnames at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very much uh, your surname is, uh, it ends in the suffix son or dotir, depending if you're a daughter or a son. And um, and it takes your father's name, right? Your father's first name yes, and puts yeah. the son at the end? Although it is increasing, becoming increasingly more common to use your mother's name if you want to, or it's a, you know, a bit more change with the gender equality. But the, the if if you don't really go by a first name, they don't they don't really do formal, um, Mister, or Miss or Misses or mm-hmm. however you prefer to be called. They will just call you by your first name. It's it's that that's their culture and that's the way they they call their uh, prime minister by their just their first name generally wow, that's as well. Like that that sort of um on forms uh, is it still like first and last? Yeah, so they okay. have it as a. Um, I guess as a just as a process driven thing rather than a culture driven, I guess. Right. Um, and apparently it's quite normal so, in in a lot of Nordic countries as well to speak on your in breath rather than your out breath. So in 
certainly in the UK and the US and English, we will talk on, on an out-breath, whereas they would talk on an in-breath. <laughs> I can't do it. <laughs> I can't do it either. That makes no sense. So they... T- yeah. Okay. And and one of the things is just, you know, when you go there, don't be... Don't, don't be weirded out by it. It's, it's actually commonplace. Uh, I think it's only to do with like shorter words. And okay, okay. So, so you know, they're I not going to say, say a whole sentence. <laughs> I wonder if it makes, like, if they can, I wonder if that allows them to speak like their language easier or if like the only way you can say it is through the, yeah, I, I'm trying, I'm trying to do it, Lister, but like it's impossible, <laughs> or it's not impossible, but your brain like doesn't know how to do it. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'm I'm not gonna try anymore. <laughs> it sounds like something that should be possible and it is, yet yeah, your brain I guess it's like doing a backward like backwards bicycle or something like that. Yeah. Okay, and my final fact to sort of weave into a bit of uh, health related topics oh, is go. that it's quite common for uh, Icelanders and in some other Nordic countries, but particularly Iceland, to leave babies outside. Like if they go into shops or um, coffee shops, for example, uh, if you're a parent, you just leave your child in the in the pram just outside because it's uh, clean air. It actually has, comes from historically, the houses used to be kind of like sunk into the ground a bit and they were typically very smoky because they'd have a fire in them. So that okay. babies would, um, you know, they'd want to go and have some clean air, so they'd just leave them outside. And then the adult would go down, do their business, and then come back. But yeah, that's that's the idea. Now I kind of want to, like, go to Iceland and, like, walk by a store with, like, five different baby carriages outside. Yes. <laughs> know, that'd be interesting. <laughs> no, that's cool. And it also shows how safe the country is. Exactly. And that's part of what we'll talk about in the upcoming uh, section. But cool. can you remind us what the question is, Sevi? Yes, definitely. The question is, why are Icelanders so healthy? So as per usual, we will ask the real question, which is, are they healthy, Miles? Oh, I'm going to start off with what is health? That, that, that is a good point. I think there's lots of different aspects of health. I think one really easy, one more quantifiable um, statistic is like uh, uh, life expectancy. And okay. uh, to kind of like, and if, let's say we put it in that terms, actually men's life expectancy is the highest in the world in Iceland um, at 81 years. Um, women, it's about 84 years. It's pretty common for women to have a higher life expect- expectancy on average than men. Um, but the fact Iceland has the highest for men in the world uh, shows that it's definitely healthy in that respect. Yeah. What other ways do you think it's healthy, Miles? So I went and Googled the definition of it. And they just said... <laughs> Free from illness or injury, and I was like, "Yeah, okay, <laughs> that's that's a start." But then I actually went and found uh, the WHO's definition of health, and they mm-hmm. said health is a state of complete physical, mental, and social well-being, and not merely the absence of disease. Okay, I I, I like that second definition better. Also, like injury, like I don't, yeah, I can see how like if you get I feel like health and injury are two separate things, but maybe that's just me and the way I think about the word. Maybe that's the way you think about it. But taking the second definition is how I've split apart how I wanted to go about answering this question is we can we can look at the 
physical, which to me um, is probably a lot of things like the um, life expectancy. Mm-hmm. Um, so we can have a look at that. I mean, it's not as as with all of these things. It's hard to draw exact lines on what's physical, what's mental, and what's social. You know, there are a lot of crossovers between them. But that's sort mm-hmm. of like how I've tried to design my uh, answers to see if Iceland is uh, healthy. And you've you've already alluded to the fact that it is. Um, one of the other things that I found is typically the WHO gives out nice little uh, yearly rankings on the most healthy countries, and that mm-hmm. takes into account a few a few different things. Uh, Does it take as... into account those three things, given that that's their definition? No. <laughs> Sorry, I've made a mistake. It's thing people like Bloomberg and statistician statistician. Stati- <laughs> statisticians people oh, yeah. that that do statistics companies that are you know well regarded bloomberg for example they are the ones that release the list every year apologies my mistake okay um and they they take into account things like the healthcare system the uh the life expectancy I think they take into account welfare systems as well, and I think I think that's about it. Yeah. So I'm sure everybody's on the edge of their seat. I know I am. Like, what what are they ranked? So they obviously it changes every year, but uh, Iceland have been number one two out of the past three years. Okay, and what, um, the other year, what were they? It was Spain. Oh, I think they got demoted to three, didn't they, that year? Yes, they did. <laughs> What's number two? That was Italy. Yeah. So Spain, Spain and Italy actually share probably a bit more. They'll probably hate me for saying this. But the, the <laughs> southern European countries, you know, they have um, probably more similar diets to a Nordic country where we've already alluded to there being, um, you know, in the top 10, most of the Nordic countries are in the top 10 for the healthiest countries in the world. And, and most of Europe are in the top 10 as well. Damn right. <laughs> Not the United <laughs> Kingdom, though. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> gotta de-elevate miles a little bit after that <laughs> hmm. I'm gonna be unhappy all for the rest of the rest of recording okay so uh, do you want to go with yeah, my you said you split? wanted to yeah let's go with yeah. your split I think that's a good way of looking at it so let's start with uh, physical because we're already you already kind of been talking about that. Okay, so so one of the things that I, you know, the first obvious thing with physical is the diet. I think, you know, everybody knows there's a direct link between health and diet. You know, that's why we have things like diet culture, which is not necessarily utilized in the best way, but a general understanding is that diet is directly linked to your health. And so some examples of that could be like, like it, it, they eat a lot of fish, right? Fish is rich in omega three fats. I saw that a lot. Um, in terms of uh, fatty acids, like, and and if you think about like a Mediterranean diet where Spain and uh, Italy are, it's also like heavily heavy on fish and a little bit lighter on like the red meats. So dairy is also quite important in Iceland. Uh, a great example of this is skier. So Sevi's trying to say skier. Yeah, skier, and it, like if I could roll my R's better, you could you roll the R's a little bit at the end of the word. Skier. Yeah, I like that. Miles just did it beautifully, rolling his R's. Don't expect me to do it again. Yeah, so it's a uh, like a yogurt cheese kind of mixture, 
um, and it's like super protein packed. It comes from like gas fed, gas fed free range cows within uh, Iceland, and these cows like grass fed, not gas fed. Oh yes, I I meant to say grass fed. Um, and (laughs) yeah, gas fed cows wouldn't work very well. Just just (laughs) (laughs) liquefying all of the grass, like boiling it and throwing. No, but the cows in Iceland are really interesting because they actually the health uh, ministry there takes it really seriously, preventing other uh, livestock from coming into the country. So these cows have been here for centuries and have been brought over originally, and so kind of have developed their own. Um, like they're very healthy, very um, uh, like in tuned with the the area around them. Like we talk about how it's like lots of grass around Iceland. Um, so. They, they have like great grass from this volcanic soil, right? And um, therefore it just creates a lot. Uh, it's like great skir. 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 Yeah, that, there. I said it a little better that time. So, so they are well known for their minimal pesticide use with their locally. Mm-hmm. So they do grow things in Iceland and grow vegetables and they do, um, they try, they really cut down on pesticides compared to... Do you know why they're able to cut down on pesticides more so than other areas of the world? I could have a guess, but please just tell me. No, have, have a guess, and then and then we'll go from there. I, I assume this... Because I know that in Iceland they do cook bread in the ground because of the heat. Well, that's interesting. So I'm wondering whether the yield... So there's a two parts to this. One is the yields would be high because there's warmth from the ground. Okay. And the second one is... I'm guessing there's a lack of um, insect pests, to be honest. So it, it, you're kind of close. So the it's a cold climate, and therefore you can't grow most uh, like bananas, like fruits, tomatoes, that type of stuff there. So what they do is they have greenhouses, but they have these really cool geothermal greenhouses. So the geothermal is able to bring the warmth into them. And basically, because it's like a closed like area, like they don't have to worry as much about like putting pesticides and other things because it's already a controlled climate okay i see it's very and recently they've added a lot of geothermal greenhouses and have been able to like basically grow most types of foods in iceland for the people and that also creates a much richer like um nutritious but also like a wide not wide but like like lots of different types of foods with varied diet there's the word i'm looking for yeah okay I think that's uh, that's covered us on um, the yeah. diet. I'll just throw in two little foods that um, I did come across while looking at them. They do eat fermented shark, and they do eat boiled sheep head. So there's some testicles <laughs> in there too. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, they eat a lot more than those two, but it is just um, it has a different culture with some things that perhaps I'd be a little more tentative in trying. Um, yeah, I think but, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah. But it seems to be working for them. It does seem to, but maybe I need to convert. Need to. All right. Okay, so was mental number two, if I remember correctly? I still think there's a few more points in physical, for oh, Yeah. Okay, so let's do that. An obvious part of the physical is uh, exercise. Um, in Iceland, because of the location where it's so high up, they have, you know, where we said they're almost in the Arctic Circle. Is it on the, they're on the Arctic Circle, pretty much? They're just below Just it. below, just below. So they will go through, you know, almost six months of near to no, to minimal sun, which yeah. is, um, you know, quite difficult. And so 
making sure you're working out is uh, on a regular basis to keep fit and healthy and improve your mood is a really big thing in Iceland. Uh, they also have a lot of outdoor stuff like rock climbing, kayaking, hiking, um, ice climbing, ice climbing as well. Yeah. And so, so they have a really healthy, active lifestyle on, coupled with the food. You know, you've got great grounding for for this. I also saw that one of the big things that they do is swimming and swimming is like a great workout for your entire body. And that's a yeah. pretty common uh, exercise or method of exercise. That's really cool. Um, it's also one more physical thing is like clean air. Like it's there's a lot of clean air, not just because it's an island in the middle of the Atlantic, but also we talked about how the population is really small. So each person has like a good chunk of area. It's like got the lowest population density in Europe and therefore uh, you're not breathing in a bunch of like even a little bit of smog over time. Yeah. And with that clean air, you've got um, you, a bit of a counter thought to that is that a lot of the country is in an urbanized environment with uh, in Reykjavik. Mm -hmm. And while that usually to people like um, where I live, you know, you think of um, urbanized environments as being more polluted and uh, perhaps a bit dirtier and, and worse for your health. But actually, um, they also have the advantages of having uh, great drinking water and they have um, great sanitation available and the doctors, they have, I think, some of the highest number of doctors and nurses per thousand of population. Okay, uh, so, you know, they have a... That'll help. They've, they've utilized their urban environments to the best of their abilities without the actual drawbacks that we see in a lot of um, large cities today. Okay. Anything else you want to add on physical? That's all I'm going to put on to physical. Um, okay. Shall we talk a bit about the mental... Health? Definitely. Do you want to do you want to kick us off? Yeah, I'll kick us off. I didn't do too much on this, but I have I have one thing. Um, so the you talk about the long winter nights that uh that creates like a big social bond um amongst the people um and has created like a quite a community atmosphere within um Iceland and therefore like we we talk about like mental well being like a lot of it involves like having a good community and. Uh, Iceland definitely has that. Yeah, so I, I would definitely think that this is a, a great example of where the the lines are a bit fuzzy with social well-being and mental well-being. Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess so, that's so, a bit more on the so social that's a, side. That's a bit it? more of a community one, whereas a, on the mental side of it, I'd say, um, you know, a lot of people, you know, we've already alluded to there being some, some hot springs like the Blue Lagoon you go to. Um, like, natural hot springs are such a way of life in uh in iceland that it's mm -hmm. uh you know it's a form of relaxation if you if you are going there and you're from let's say the us or something be prepared you you should know the customs before you before you go and use the pools you know you you will mm -hmm. have to clean yourself before you go into the pool and after you go into the pool you have to do do that naked so if you're a bit worried about um that you'll have to do be, the cleaning everybody or the pool does it you have to do the cleaning naked or also the pool? You have to go and wash yourself before you get into the pool. So you, you have to make sure you're naked for that. I think um, it depends on the pools. I think some yeah. of them more. Um, but yeah, just don't be... Definitely look into the customs yeah, first. Exactly. That makes, yeah. that, that's a good blanket statement for a lot of things. Yes. Um, and they... So 
there's this is sort of where there's a bit of a blurred line between a physical benefit and the mental benefit is is hot springs and steam room mm-hmm. kind of things does that um does that improve your physical health or is it actually your mental health that it improves you know i don't know and i don't think we're going to get into that today but it, it is definitely another contributing factor they have a culture of using these hot springs for relaxation and, and stress relief so that's um that's another thing on the mental aspect uh, and then finally i've also they have some of the best gender equality um laws mm-hmm. so there's maternity and paternity leave as normal as standard they have lots of state-sponsored all-day preschools to make it easier for women to juggle uh family and career uh and and it allows that all these um it allows all the pe- people in these sort of typically strenuous environments to just have a a load off their head you know they're, they're going to be a lot more stress-free knowing that you know, the state's going to support them having children and things like that. Definitely. To get into the social aspect a little bit, like there's definitely very low criminality in Iceland, as well as discrimination. You talked a little bit about the gender equality, like that even extends to uh, uh, discrimination as well. Yeah. Um. So with the, the crime uh, related, so that was where, you know, you can leave your babies outside a supermarket and it's just, you know maybe we we just don't have the same thing you know we'd be a bit scared i think in in our mm-hmm. countries whereas that that's just completely normal behavior they i, I think... also thought of cr- criminality has an interesting aspect that like when you're in a small community i there's usually a lot less criminals cuz like let's say you do get caught like everybody knows you um unlike uh like if you're in a gigantic city like new york city for instance right the chances are that like if you get arrested like the people, your neighbors aren't going to find out about it. Um, but the, I feel like because Iceland is such a small community and such like a small country, right? It's like the size of like cities. Um, that also might lend credence to why criminality is lower. Yeah, I'm not sure I actually believe that as a, as a, an opinion on crime. I, I don't know if um, all crime and people that commit horrendous crimes will be have the same mindset as being being ashamed for it maybe in the same way you know I, I, it's a whole okay. area yeah, that i an, don't know maybe a lot that's about. a separate question for another yeah. time uh definitely one that i'm not prepared for today <laughs> um yeah but it, they're well known that they've, they've really cracked down on their drugs since 1970s i think um and they've managed to um I think they've separated their police and drug criminality departments. Okay. So they have separate departments for each one. I think that's, um, that they say has enabled them to, to make a safer community. And lastly, I think for me on the social aspect of it, the, the prime minister and the way it's, it's led is um, the government have um, green and so like sustainability, renewable and, Mm-hmm. Uh, family-friendly priorities rather than just economic priorities in there. So instead of just trying to maximize GDP or economic gain, you're saying Iceland also really takes into account health as uh, something yeah. to maximize as well. And I think we may have mentioned this slightly in the New Zealand episode where they they rank their country 
on numerous factors and not just GDP as an economy. They, mm-hmm. they rate it on the uh, renewables and the, the people aspect of it. And Iceland actually have teamed up with um, Jacinda Ardern in New Zealand to to try and okay. sort of push this as a as a way of measuring countries success yeah, miles was referring to the prime minister of new zealand just yes. thank you um and i think that pretty much finishes um my answer on why icelanders are so healthy so are you ready for me to throw a wrench into things yes please <laughs> after extensive research and getting similar answers to basically everything you said and like you went into great detail and depth and that I didn't uh, see. I saw another answer that uh, I think it's an interesting question for you and I to talk about uh, what part of like how healthy they are is a result of this question. And the answer uh, fits within physical a lot more, but it's basically the genetics of the people. Um, like these people, like we talk about how like most of them are Icelanders. Most of them lived there from like the Nordic people who came over. Um, They've been like pretty isolated. There hasn't been like a ton of immigration or emigration. And therefore, like they their genes have like remained pretty similar. And one thing I saw is a lot of like maybe there's a group of people like with great genes in Iceland who like bring up that average life expectancy and also just like are have healthy lifestyles through the way that they've evolved from Nordics and from others in the past. Yeah, and that's something that we can see with Japan as well, with um, the residents of Okinawa being mm-hmm. um, having such long life expectancies compared to people on other islands of Japan. So it is a very similar that there is that genetic argument of it, um, where you know I think in that sort of scenario they realise that a lot of the people they're they're all part of the same wider extended family. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sort of they think bring the bring the average up, but as you said, that's just the physical side of it. And I think the, the answer to this question is multifaceted, which is why I split it into those different areas. So, and so I, I agree. I think it's multifaceted amongst all the things you talked about and genetics as maybe even like a separate uh, caveat. But on a, what do you think like genetics is like just a small part of it? Do you think it's like a larger part of it and that these all contribute to helping the genetics? Um, well, I'm I'm not a scientist, so I'd be really interested if they could uh, they could just figure that one out nicely or something like that, you know, as they do. Um, no, in in seriousness, I think it does play a large part in in how long you know. Uh, we know a lot of diseases are hereditary as well, and mm-hmm. and that will cut people's lives shorter than perhaps we would hope, and and we have all of that sort of contributing into your upbringing, your education. Um, you know, one thing that we didn't mention was education, but, uh, you know, higher educations typically result in a longer life expectancy. Um, so I, I think we're really in uncharted territory because we, we look at the, the West with long, long life expectancies, uh, and mm-hmm. that's compared to countries that are not as developed and don't have those base sanitary um, healthcare systems, uh, all, all the, the things we've really talked about with the social, mental and physical um, factors. But if everybody had the same as Iceland, mm-hmm. would Icelanders still be on top because of their genetics? Yeah, it's a Maybe. really good question. Maybe. Maybe not. But also, if Icelanders had the same 
lifestyle as someone from uh, I'm, I'm not going to choose anything in particular because I don't know the what's at the bottom of the leaderboards for low life expectancy but let's imagine that the all the Icelanders moved out to somewhere that has a very low life expectancy with poor health low life ex- low life expectancy island got it yeah <laughs> would the, would that would they have a life expectancy that's comparable to someone without essentially what i think is it's really important to have those grounding levels of healthcare yeah. um i think the and... fact iceland has like had some of those for a while has probably contributed to their um like has allowed their genes to flourish and i don't know we talk about like i think adversary adversity also has to do with it right these types of people had to survive like epic journeys in the past like and also a, a really like uh really hard climate right living in iceland and maybe that also like helps your genetics and like pushes you up into a higher echelon that help can help you be more healthy amongst smaller things yeah cool so that is a wrap on episode number 10 we've gotten to 10 and don't forget to subscribe to our instagram at podcast wise the world please come in join like Follow us, please. Yeah. Subscribe to the podcast on your app of choice. Um, more and more apps are getting added. So. Yeah. And as they say in Iceland, bless, bless. Bless. <laughs>